0: Hey guys, what's going on? It's Josh, J.C. Alfelto for The Writer's Lens. And first and foremost, I want to apologize for being a bit of a hiatus in the month of November. But good news, uh, the month of November, I saw the most downloads of my podcast that I've had since I started this darn thing. So thank you guys so much for tuning in and checking out this creative podcast. I am overjoyed to share that kind of information with you. its It's been really cool to just to see... Just kind of the response that's come from having the content continuously and consistently and then not having it consistently or continuously and yet still getting favorable information and downloads. So so uh, I just attribute that to you guys who have been tuning in and, and checking out the content and finding it relevant or intriguing, uh, if not hopefully entertaining and educational. Uh, and it's not just catharsis for me or yours truly. On that note, I wanted to introduce a really cool thing that myself and a few others have been involved in called the Pens of Steel, and it's a group of creatives here in Cleveland who have gotten together, who are authors, who are speakers, who are theologians, who are uh, ministers, just basically some guys who have gotten together that have creative endeavors and are a bit entrepreneurial at heart. And want to engage in this thing called the digital voice. And if you want to know what the digital voice is, you're listening to it right now. The 21st century has given rise to more people with the ability to put their voice out into the internet than ever before. And they're doing so not just with Facebook or Instagram or Twitter. They're doing it through mediums such as this one, which is audio uh, podcasting. And what I have done is gotten some of these guys together that I've been rubbing elbows with and also kind of rubbing ideas with for the last couple of years. And we came up with this plan to record some of our uh, sessions, if you will, where we're just talking about what this means for people who are trying to get into podcasting, maybe have creative pursuits on their mind, and ultimately just kind of talk through a lot of the processes that we go through in terms of writing a book, doing a passion project, And just all sorts of different things, uh, which eventually do kind of lean into writing and being of an impact and influence in society. So lots of stuff to cover there. But in this very first episode that I'm going to uh, key in here, uh, myself, uh, Brian Del Turco of Jesus Smart, the podcast and Substance TV, as well as Willie Scott, who is the co-founder of the Better Than Blended ministry for blended families here in Cleveland as well as Brent McLaughlin, who is our resident theologian uh, and writer uh, within our group. These are the guys that I'll be dialoguing with over the course of the next few episodes. So I hope you guys enjoy and uh, keep tuning in. Really appreciate the support. And without further ado, here it is. All right. Hey, everyone. Uh, this is Josh J.C. Felto for the Writer's Lens. And this is a special recorded session uh, that will be going on my podcast, but I anticipate it to be on perhaps multiple podcasts. Uh, I'm an author of science fiction and I also happen to be the leader of a group of creative voices here in Cleveland, Ohio, which is the reason for this sort of multi-group session today. If you're just listening, there will be other voices on this. And if you're on YouTube and you can see this, you'll be able to see all their wonderful faces. Uh, So we'll be joining forces today uh, to talk a little bit about voices in the digital age. Uh, So with me on this call right now are some good friends of mine from cleveland ohio uh brian del turco of jesus smart the podcast and substance tv willie scott of better than blended and team kingdom impact publishing and brent mclaughlin who is kind of like a resident prophet i think in this group so uh if each of you guys want to say hello go ahead (laughs)
1: let's start with the prophet
2: Uh, no profit. I'm just a writer with a lot of thoughts. <laughs> um, it's so
3: so humble. <laughs>
2: <laughs> try to be humble. It's where the best thoughts come. Right. So, yeah, basically, I'm a writer, aspiring writer. Um, many years ago, I was sitting on a chair, Myrtle Beach, next to the pool, reading a book by uh, John Eldridge. Called "Walking with God," and I remember reading this passage. It really struck me, and um, it was um, just prior. I had I had gotten the thoughts of writing in some way, shape, or form. I don't know. It, it never really occurred to me before. I was just reading this book, kind of rekindled in my faith. And when I read this passage, it was the exact um, feeling I had in my heart that, uh, I don't know, I was ambivalent to writing. John Eldridge was talking about um, having a struggle with writing, and just some days he wakes up. He's a you know New York Times bestselling author known for, um, uh, what's his number one book? Probably um, out.
1: Wild at heart, probably. Yeah,
2: wild, wild at heart. I'm sorry, yeah. I blank in there. But essentially, I, I kind of, um, I was matched, my heart on, on, on that issue, and I kind of walked away with a pretty strong understanding that I was supposed to write in some way, shape, or form. And so, um, not too long after that, Josh and I got connected, and we began uh, kind of a dialogue of what it means to write wrote a lot of different things. Um, I'm currently not published. I do aspire to do that at some point, but, um, definitely a lot of my thoughts and ideas are directed, uh, between me and the Lord. Um, and just, uh, trying to fuel, um, a very, very real life calling. Um, in terms of digitally, I don't have a large digital footprint. I think you guys are here from these other gentlemen here tonight, um, what that really means to do that and do it effectively. Um, but I don't discount the fact that uh, at some point I will have to have a digital footprint in order to succeed in this realm. So um, I'm encouraged, encouraged by these guys. Um, I hope that uh, my my impact in the world will be, uh, as I kind of began, one of a humble statement of the the things that the living God has done in my life. And so um, that's kind of me. Um, I have a, a wife and two kids, and um, I, I love um, entertaining ideas, mm-hmm. philosophy, <laughs> theology. Come on. Uh, and I hope that my um, my writing is inspirational. Um, that's definitely the goal. Sometimes it might not be, but um, that's certainly the goal.
0: Good, man. That's good. Brian, you next?
1: Yeah, well, I've been blogging for, I don't know, six, seven years, eight years. I'm not even sure. Hmm. And so... Um, I'm one of these guys. These guys probably probably feel the same way, too. I, I believe that everything goes back to writing. Everything starts with writing, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, not only as a um, sort of a, a medium of ideation and thinking and thinking clearly, but uh, so many things can spring off of writing, mm-hmm. like video creation or podcasting or course creation or sermons or speeches or, you know talks um so yeah just a big believer in writing so th- then in the past year year and a half podcasting has come into the mix hmm. and um you know of course i've been working with social media and so yeah i, I just uh, i'm very interested in the realm of um narratives big narrative pictures and the so-called narrative wars and getting into the, um, the marketplace of ideas and narratives mm-hmm. and with a voice, a rising voice, and uh, because of technology today, certainly with the web, um, mm-hmm. it's, it's really flattened everything out and um, given us great power and leverage to, to do that. Mm-hmm. And I'm, I'm not just interested in creating content for content's sake, I'm interested mm-hmm. in the outcomes of content, what can content do? Mm -hmm. So it can create movements, it can, Mm -hmm. you know, you can, startups can come out of content, organizations, causes. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, very, very interested in those areas.
0: So you do a lot of, you do a lot of commenting on (laughs) cultural issues, you know, um, through the, through that gospel lens primarily, right, Brian? I mean, as far as what you're. Yeah.
1: Yeah, what uh what Josh means by the gospel is uh mm-hmm. you know, the gospel of Jesus Christ, the gospel mm-hmm. of the kingdom. Um certainly coming from a um a biblical a biblical worldview, not a religious worldview, not a churchy worldview. Because
0: there is not, a difference.
1: Oh right. my gosh. Yep. Yeah, and, and there's a lot of um a lot of baggage out there regarding church. Mm-hmm. I mean I'm a I'm a believer in church, but there's been an incredible amount of dysfunction and toxicity in, in some in some realms of church. Hmm. So but yeah, I, I think that Jesus Christ, what he's offering us is, is a call back to design. Hmm. That we've really departed from original design, hmm. which is optimal living, and he's calling us back to that. So so I am interested in the gospel of the kingdom with and I'm not the I'm not the only person talking about this, of course. I'm just trying to stay in the in the taillights of a whole lot of other voices too on this but uh, a call back to design and living our best optimal life now like in the realm of relational well-being finances you know our work our career our our calling if you will Mm -hmm. but also um well jesus made claims that the future sort of belongs to him and it belongs to his kingdom and uh, so the future is very bright, but we can live our best lives now too. So a few thoughts along those lines, I'm sure we'll, in this episode and probably in future episodes, try to dive deeper, but I'm, I'm looking forward to the dialogue.
0: <laughs> That's good. That's good stuff, man.
1: These guys here were part of a writer's group called the Pens of Steel. That's right. <laughs> uh, had to take a, a good cutting edge name there, I guess. Yeah. Um, <laughs> So yeah, we've we've already got some momentum and continuity and dialogue we've been having, mm-hmm. and and so I, I I know where this can go and I think I'm kind of excited about about you kind of listening in on that. Excellent. Right. That's awesome. So so Willie Scott then
0: you are the <clears throat> you were the last guy on this uh, introduction uh, portion here. What do you <laughs> got to say, man?
3: <laughs> I'm just I'm just blessed to be here. I'm not, <laughs> no, i I appreciate just being able to be part of the platform with you guys man It's some awesome awesome guys here josh you're taking the lead even uh with the thought process of recording it mm-hmm. um i just thought that was brilliant because some i i, I know there's there is well, even when we talk through the conversation mm-hmm. i know that it's it, it can be utilized for other people like I other know. people should be could be able to listen in or should be able to listen in on it because we talk about a lot of good stuff so mm-hmm. for me um personally it's just I am Willie Scott, father, uh, married, have a beautiful wife, Rachel Scott, love her to death, to life, however you want to put it. Uh, <laughs> we have seven kids total, guys. So you guys know this, so we have seven kids total. I know people mouth drop, you know, seven kids, so blended family. That's uh, through the course of, you know, just life and everything happening, that's where God started, is utilizing us in this season. It's really just pouring into other blended families, pouring into marriages. Uh, we do that through resources, through our website. Uh, we do that through the books that we've written and stuff like that. So me and my wife are published authors. Um, she does most of the writing, like 99% of it, 99.9 maybe. I do th- a little 1% in there. And I do the background stuff. I like uh, tinkering with graphic design and stuff, things of that nature. So mm-hmm. we also uh, literally we walk the journey of blending with people. So we do workshops and stuff like that for families. And then we... Um, outside of that or other business that, that we run or that we do is we help walk, help other authors walk through or aspire authors walk through the process of publishing their book and actually starting their own publishing company and so that's where the other passion is at is really just kind of educating people on the different dynamics of it when it comes to creating your own book or uploading it, copyrighting all the, all, the, all the facets of that so the thing I love about this group though is I've always, I've been to a lot of men's groups like through church or different things of that nature and um i don't knock the men's groups i i I love i love the camaraderie of getting together but the similar thing i would see with the men's group is it would just it would be a lot of um activity Mm -hmm. if that makes any sense like we'll play basketball we'll flip some tires we'll just do run some we'll do things like that which is cool Mm -hmm. which is cool but I mean, honestly, I love that stuff, but I was like, man, I'm looking, when are, hey, when are we going to sit down and, like, dive into, mm-hmm. like, have some dialogue? Like, when are we going to actually dive into some things and, and and have, like, some Bible study or some, or get get a little deeper just in conversation? Mm-hmm. And we and it didn't happen as often as I wanted to see it happen. And so being, being able to be a part of this group, at first I was like, hey, this is called the pins of steel, but... I, I'm not an author. Like, I mean, even though I am an author, I don't consider myself an author in that sense because my wife does most of the writing. And then Joshua, I love music. So that's another thing that I throw out there, you guys. Most people don't know this, but I actually write music. Uh, I write Christian hip hop. We write songs. My wife wrote a song together. And so, I uh, he he brought that up and said, "Hey man, you wrote you wrote songs, so you are a writer." I was like, "Oh yeah, I forgot about that part of my life." <laughs> so, so, with that being included, I, I was I. I, I you know stepped into the pins of steel And I took on the title along with the rest <laughs> of these guys That are some amazing writers yeah. And so I just really love the dialogue That we get to have in the group So mm-hmm. hope everybody is tuning in And actually get to see the video mm-hmm. uh, Hope you guys enjoy it mm-hmm. And I'm going hand it back over to Josh
0: Alright awesome awesome. So, so then kind of coming back a little bit too So uh, This group The actual genesis of it Was probably about six years ago uh, you had mentioned six years ago you had started blogging, Brian, you know, yeah. six, six, seven, eight years ago. This group has changed faces a little bit over the years. I mean, uh, primarily, Brendan and myself have been kind of spearheading it, but it was really about 2011, 2012, which is hard to believe now how fast time flies. But that's really when I was looking to publish a book, me personally, and I was really starving for some help. I mean, I was looking around going, you know, There's this new thing called self-publishing. Apparently, I can get my own ISBN. I can get my own cover. I can do my own, uh, basically do my own distribution with my blog and all that other kind of good stuff. And the process was extremely overwhelming for me. And I really needed someone around me at least to bounce ideas off of or at least be able to tell me, hey, this is wrong or maybe this is a, this is a good idea. Maybe that's a bad idea. Maybe you should consider getting in the hands of this person or that person. And as I looked around, there weren't really a lot of people directly around me that could actually serve that kind of purpose in my life or be able to kind of feed me. So through some praying and asking around and hearing crickets, basically, a whole lot of nothing. (laughs) And then one day it was actually Brent uh, your brother Nate who had reached out to me and said hey man I got some poems I want I want to get read I'd be really interested in, in having someone look at them and it's funny how God works in a way where you're really really hustling you're really trying so hard and all of a sudden the moment you just kind of say alright I'm done trying to do all this legwork," and then something just kind of falls in your lap and that was exactly what happened. And then it started from Nate, and then it was Brent, and then was actually Tim. So it was me and three brothers at one point. It was almost like a sitcom, <laughs> I feel like. It was like me and, <laughs> me and the three brothers. And so th- these guys got brought in, but then the group just kind of exploded because, as it turns out, and I found this out through Brian, is that Cleveland is a big content generator uh, in the United States. Is that correct, Brian, before I go on to
1: my next? Uh, uh, yeah, I mean... Yeah, there's something called the Content Marketing Institute, based in Cleveland, sort of an enterprise level business that that equips enterprise level companies in content marketing. It's huge globally, and so yeah, I mean, just one metric. It's very interesting. Maybe, maybe it's in part because of the Content Marketing Institute, but according to Google, the most searches for the involving the phrase content marketing come out of the Cleveland, Ohio area. Which, when I first heard it, I was stunned. I thought it would be something like Los Angeles or yeah, New York, you know. Boston. Yeah. Some so. other Austin, Austin tech, some other great creative center, but it's mm-hmm. Cleveland.
0: Hmm. And that was what was so like just floored me was the fact that there were so many people around me that were actually trying to do the same thing. And if I just kind of lifted my eyes up for a bit and I looked around, I found other people that were really interested in maybe writing a book or, Starting a platform and things like that because platforming I think around 2005 2006 is when it really started to take off people were starting to grasp hold of this idea of I can build my own platform Because I as I know from the stats that I was researching when I started the group was in 2008 was the first time There were more self-published books than traditionally published books ever and since then self-published books have far outnumbered traditionally published books every single year without a doubt so to anyone listening self-published is you own all the rights to your book and you go to a distributor you don't have any agent i mean you could have an agent but you don't have any agent you're not working with a huge team of of writers and some tower on the east or the west coast there's a lot more creative control in it and that was really attractive to me but again like i said it was overwhelming so needing a community needing some creatives around me was just a big big deal so the group started to balloon. We we ended up getting filmmakers, uh, other uh, pastors. We had uh, uh, we had some storyboard uh, game enthusiasts. Uh, we had those involved in uh, or uh, lovers of crime, not committing it, but crime uh, <laughs> novels, <laughs> crime novels, and just anybody that was aspiring, really. So there was a lot of just kind of feeding each other that was going on at that time. And then eventually it kind of went dark, you know, life started to really uh, kind of take a turn, you know, people were getting married or having kids and things like that. And we kind of went dark, but then it really got reinvigorated in me about a year and a half ago. And we started reaching out again, trying to trying to kind of reinvigorate the group because I just published my first novel, which was a big deal. I'd, I'd moved away from the old voice of satire. I moved into the voice of science fiction and now that I was in this completely new territory, which is really where my heart has always been, uh, this new territory, I was like, I was feeling it again. I was like, I need this creative community. I can't just be doing this all solo. And so uh, just through some, uh, I love that term, Willie, that you use, divine alignments. I was able to uh, run into some different folks here. Brian, through, through podcasting, because I started a podcast last year, uh, and all of a sudden now I'm talking to people that I probably wouldn't have, to, wouldn't have talked to otherwise uh, because of podcasting, which is the big, big reason behind this, this first session, uh, now we've kind of gone through our own intros here, is this whole concept of digital voices and how there's so many voices out there that are all over the Internet and people with different platforms and, and different messages that they're trying to get out there. How on earth are we supposed to navigate that, right? Like how are we supposed to actually uh, find out what is the best space, what's the best channel for us to figure out where we're supposed to go? And I'm gonna throw this back to, um, I think I'm gonna throw this back to Brian first uh, on this question that that I wanna pose to the group is, if you do have an idea, and you are going to either a publish it or start building a platform. What's some of the first things that we really have to think about when we're first developing
1: a platform? When we're first developing a platform, mm-hmm. well, I'm gonna. I would like to say it again. It it starts with writing in private, mm-hmm. like even journaling, or then beginning to maybe merge into blogging or articles, or certainly starting. <clears throat> books. For me, it it always goes back to writing, but we have to have a, I mean, how many know there's, it's kind of noisy out there (laughs) and there's kind of a lot of stuff being created. And so to get your voice heard, you have to sort of make a dent. You have to start building an audience, which starts speaking to the issue of platform building. Mm -hmm. And, um, Mm -hmm. you know, it's kind of like marketing a product, you know, if you build it, they will come Uh, no, they won't come. I mean, you could build a great product and they're not going to come unless you market it. Well, Mm -hmm. you have to find the, you know, the, the client, the customers or the clients for that, for that product or service. So Mm -hmm. it's, it's, it's like that when you're an emerging voice in this digital age, we have to, we have to start platforming. We have to, um, not in in a, not in an arrogant way, not, not in a way that's ugly or crass, but we have to we have to do things to find our unique listeners and readers and customers and clients and mm-hmm. whatever the application is. So somebody like Michael Hyatt, you guys are familiar with Michael Hyatt, right? Mm-hmm. And he's a former CEO of Thomas Nelson, but now he's independent, has his own flourishing big big thing going. But mm-hmm. uh, he wrote that book on, uh, is it called platforming or Platform or how to build? Your yeah, he got
3: yep. Yeah, he has platform university
1: too. Okay. Yes. Yeah. So he is like a leading, cutting edge voice in this in this space on on how to strategically, tactically build build an audience over time. Mm-hmm. So, yeah.
0: And, and I mean, and just uh, Brent, I think you had kind of brought up the last time we were talking about like what are the things that catch people, like what catches their attention as far as when I'm just flipping open social media or Facebook or blogs or Instagram or YouTube, like what are some some tactics then where people are using to kind of hook people in to get them to the meat of whatever it is that they, their ultimate product? I think you had some actually good comments about that last time we were talking.
2: Yeah, I'll try to remember all of them. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Questions. Questions are probably... uh, Foremost out there, um, I think what we were kind of talking about was the um, what really drives people's interest. I mean, you, anybody can create content. I mean, it, it, it's a simple thing to do now. I think what the the realities that I was trying to process through, and I have been processing through for years now, um, and and kind of going from zero social media use almost to, uh, some type of use, um, has, has, has me thinking like, how do we really do this in an effective way? So we, you know, we were talking about some different platforms out there that really do grab hold of, uh, viewers, um, often short clips, um, often posing, uh, question, maybe controversial question or engaging question. Um, I think one of the models that I've been playing with um, personally is how to approach this. I mean, almost every successful ministry um, that I've engaged with has the capability to um, create uh, a—I'm going to back up—not every successful ministry— um, the ones that want to really draw in the uh, the crowd um, try to create a conversation. Um, so even if you guys are podcasting or producing something, you're trying to, even though the person isn't actually speaking, they're listening in. You want to be able to form it in a way that's conversational. Mm-hmm. Um, and so you're engaging their doubts or beliefs or um, thoughts on a matter. Mm-hmm. And so um, doing that effectively, um, even though the, the media itself is one way, um, you do it right and you really do captivate people. Um, and so I guess that's kind of the area that I've been engaging with. I don't know if there was more that I added. Maybe you you could speak to that josh but that was kind of what i was grappling with
0: yeah i think mostly when we think about just voices out there and all the static on social media and just on the internet in general is i think like you said controversy a controversial it doesn't necessarily mean controversy as in terms of negativity it could mean a, a topic that seems very difficult to talk about with just anybody um you know like i think of a uh, some some things that like there's a there's a platform on on youtube right now uh there's a ministry called reasons to believe uh hugh ross i don't know if you guys are familiar with um with him but he has this uh section called culture talk and it's usually about 15 to 20 minutes long and they just have some of the most off the wall questions to like bring people in to talk about just either you know if you're christian or non-christian but just some of the things they talk about is just you just you, like the question posed in the title is just so like inviting, like questions about well, and again this is probably leaning more towards me because I'm I'm such a, I I am pretty much a deep thinker, but questions like what does theistic evolution have to do with macroevolution? Or you know how to, can we make comments like macroevolution is that a real thing? Does it does it uh, contradict the Bible, or does microevolution actually exist and contradict the Bible? Like really really specific questions, and they're able to unpack it, but they draw you in with like a two minute clip, or they draw you in with like a three minute clip of them talking about it. And in many ways, it can be controversial because depending upon you know, if they're trying to engage, you know, say like, uh, you know, the scientific community from a believer's perspective, it can be a little bit controversial because uh, the scientific community could immediately say, well, you know, don't bring your Jesus in here. You know, don't bring, don't bring any of that to us. We're not really interested in that. So that's just something off the top of my head. I was thinking of, um, what about you? But that's really? good, Josh.
3: Yeah. I gonna say that's, that's good though. Cause I'm add to what, Brent and what Brian said and what you just said, it leads into it is that, um, even with building a flat platform, you have to know, you have to, I want to say, f- find your voice if, if that's what you want to call it, but you have to know what you, what you know, mm-hmm. meaning you know what you want to talk about, know what you've been, uh, what you're, you've been, I guess, geared towards to talk about, or what's in you to talk about in a sense, uh, what you're called to speak on. And then you, cause like macro, micro evolution, that would draw you in. It wouldn't necessarily draw me in. Mm. I would get drawn in if me and you were together and we start talking about it. But me just saying that by itself, I'm like, okay, I, I, it's, it wouldn't it wouldn't be a title that would catch my attention. Mm. But now if I see a title about marriage, mm. you know, something about marriage and like well, a husband and a wife, or something about kids, something about blended families, because that's the vein, that's the, the lane that I'm in. Mm. That's what I've been called to. So it would draw my anything I see on that. I, it catches my attention, so I'm like, oh, let's see what they're talking about. So now I'm going to listen to it. So me knowing what I'm called to, what audience I'm called to speak to, is kind of uh, once you start to speak with authority and you start to speak with authenticity, mm-hmm. I feel like people will want to listen because people want to hear what you have to say before they want to read what, you, what you've written mm-hmm. to a certain extent. But they'll listen, especially if you're if you're talking from... A- authentic point of view and, and and you don't seem like you're here, like you've succeeded in all the things because then you leave people stuck in a sense of, well, yeah, you made it. I don't know how I'm going to get there. I, I don't see how I'm going to get out of this situation. Mm. But when you talk about that situation you've been in and people can relate to it, it draw that'll draw, that'll draw your audience. It draw, draws the crowd in. So I think what you just were ending at is when you said the micro, the macro, it just speaks volumes to know what you need to know and know what you're called to and lean into that and, and and you can capture an audience. Uh, and of course, it's more to it like what, what Brian was saying. I mean, what uh, yeah, Brian was saying as far as that's just the beginning phase of it. Then after you go from there, then it's really about starting to draw your people in. You can blog, you can do a podcast, you can do videos. But then you want to start to brand yourself because people are going to know want to know what you're about. So. Branding starts at the beginning of who you are. It doesn't. It's just not only when you have a website and when you have your logo, when you have the colors, and people can recognize Pepsi and all those stuff. But it starts with who you are. Oh, that's Willie. He's a dad. He's a husband. Mm-hmm. Oh, he's a he has a great character. That's Brent. Brent has great character. He's a dad. When I hear him speak, I I, I, I pause. He doesn't speak often, but when I hear him speak, I'm I'm sitting and I'm listening. I told you that before. So. Knowing that about Brent, knowing that about Brian, knowing that about you—that's that's where your brand starts at, and then it then it trickles out from there into the colors and all the other stuff that that kind of captures people's attention. So that they can know what they remember, remember how, what you look like. So that's just my two cents. <laughs> uh, <laughs> that's really that's interesting
1: enough. about branding, Willie, because I think in you know just in pop America, there's a rush to brand before there's even really any authentic core
3: foundation to it you know it's yeah helpful. i think that's because we we've gotten to this point where it's like branding is okay i, I need to know my colors Got mm-hmm. me a dope website nice website got me a good logo i'm branded yep. see me i'm going out here in the world. and that and that'll work to a certain extent but mm-hmm. also branding is people knowing who you are what you're about when you think of fa- facebook you think of friendship like friends connecting social media when you think of what, like uh, Pepsi or something like that. Mm-hmm. Whenever I think of Pepsi, I'm thinking of like fun or like Pepsi always got these fun commercials and different stuff like that. And I don't know what their what what message they try to get across, but that's what I what I get from it. And then you think about different, just different things. You think you see BP, you, you think of uh, eco-friendly because they got the green colors and then they, uh, that's how they came out. They started advertising that they were this eco-friendly gas or whatever. I don't know yeah. what it is now, but that's how they brought it out. So that's the thing that you knew about them. Mm -hmm. And then you knew the, then you see the logo and you recognize, okay, yeah, that's BP. But when you see BP, you're also thinking like, I'm going to go to BP because they have eco-friendly gas or whatever it's supposed to be. So yeah.
1: Yeah.
0: (laughs) Oh, that's really good. I mean, I've, I've seen a lot of people crash and burn with that mentality. I have to brand before I have my message. Yeah. Right. And I, and I think that really does kind of begin to create that, that sort of downward part of the funnel where you have a lot of people up top that are basically just trying to create a surface-level message, and then yeah. they got some of those surface-level things, maybe the aesthetics down, like you were saying, the website, the logo, maybe their name, their pen name. Okay, um, my pen name did not take very long for me to figure out. It was just, okay, I'm going to go with my initials. <laughs> just, you know, I'm not going to come up with something really dramatic. But but then all of a sudden, as as you begin to realize all the substance that you need, beyond that surface level, that's when you start to see, I think, people starting to filter out and the voices start to become louder as you get deeper into that substance. Those, those voices do become louder. They start to stand out more uh, and more people gravitate towards them in some way. But I think also it's a little bit frustrating too because if you, if you really do feel like, hey, A, I got a unique message, uh, B, I've got some good content, and C, uh, I feel like I've got some maybe good channels that I can work with, but then the other frustration might be, well, I'm getting crickets, you know, I'm not getting a lot of people right. en- engaging. So like, what am I, what am I doing right? Or, or, or rather what am I not doing right? You know, what am I am doing wrong? I mean, I'll just, you know, open that up to you guys. Like, what do you have, what are your thoughts on
3: that? I think that's where the other stuff comes in at too, but I'm sorry, go ahead, Brian.
1: No, I was just going to say, you're asking about the cricket syndrome. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I know that, that, um, I mean, all of the truly authentically successful voices are saying things like you have to keep showing up consistently. Right. You yep. know, you got to be steadfast. <clears throat> um, and uh, you really have to create that authentic voice. I, I, I think that, you know, we talk about this phrase finding your voice, you know, mm-hmm. and a, a big way that we find our voice is by consistently using our voice because it evolves over time and you know so we may start out somebody may start out with like a superficial level of branding early on Mm -hmm. and they really haven't dug they haven't been in it long enough yet to really find their authentic voice Mm -hmm. so as they get deeper they may change their branding you know Mm -hmm. uh to match really who 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 their authentic voice voice is Mm -hmm. um but yeah the crickets um Talk about emerging voices. I mean, a lot of voices have to carve it out of stone. They're not, like, popular to begin with. Where, you know, they don't have, like, you know, they're not on a television show or they're not, you know, a, a, a musical artist or something or they don't preach to 10,000 people a week or whatever. Yeah. Uh, so it's, it's a longer slog. <laughs> <laughs> but I think consistency, what do you guys think? Consistency is important, isn't it? Showing yep. up all the time. Yep. And, and just becoming more authentic and quality there's a factor now of creating the wow factor because there is so many there are so many voices and perhaps some of them shouldn't even be out there hate to say that but there's just you know i mean it's like you listen to some music and you think well about half of what they're playing right there could have not been written to begin with it's just not good music you know um so so but we're competing with that and um uh so creating a wow factor i think like high quality content, the best quality content we can put out.
2: Mm
1: -hmm. And I I, I was at a sort of a a ministry minor mastermind thing not too long ago. And he was saying, he was saying just that, that your, your content, it has to be extraordinary. Mm. You have to get on those edges that the fish are biting on. You have to, you know, what, where are the conversations happening in culture? Mm. How can it intersect with what, what you can bring to the table, sort of like a Venn diagram, you know, that overlap sweet spot. Uh, shoot for that. So, what, what are they talking about? What are they asking about? What are the pain points? What are what are the aspirations? Mm-hmm. And then, what do I have? How can I how can I meet them and fish for them mm-hmm. and bring value to them? So, high quality content.
0: All right, all right. I think that's a good spot for us to kind of pull this thing in for a landing on the first part of our discussion on the rise of digital voices. I hope you've been enjoying the conversation thus far between myself, Brian, Willie, and Brent. We're going to be picking it up with part two in about a week's time, where we'll be transitioning from talking about just digital voices and dialoguing more about competing with all the different voices that are out there. Uh, in the social media spaces and what that can look like what that can feel like some of our own frustrations and ultimately how do we land on creating a unique message amidst all the other narratives that are out there so i hope you can tune in for that Uh, until next time guys this is josh jason felter for the writer's lens and i'll catch up with you again soon